Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zeffert. I speak to Zohar Raviv, who is an internationally renowned educator of Judaism and serves as the International Vice President of Education for Tachlit Birthright Israel. He teaches extensively on issues that revolve around Jewish education, identity formation, intellectual history, theology, Israel, and the contemporary Jewish experience. Zohar is a scholar-in-residence for the Florence Melton School of Adult Jewish Learning. Zohar Rabiv has been recognized as one of the most influential Jewish ed- educators in the world. He will be speaking at Limud this weekend on a number of different topics around Jewish and Israeli identity and education. He is the guest of the Florence Melton School of Adult Jewish Learning and joins me now in studio to tell me more. Uh, Dr. Raviv, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Dr. Raviv, I'd like to see this discussion we're going to have in the next 15 minutes or so as kind of part one. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll have an opportunity to explore a little bit more of what you do because you do so much. And you're, I think, at the cutting edge of the Jewish world today, both in the diaspora and in Israel. Right. Um, because of my position both on birthright and uh, in, in scholarship, I've had the continue to have the pleasure and the opportunity to uh, really become immersed with the global Jewish community um, and uh, and really meditate on some of the more uh, global trends uh, that happen in the Jewish world at, uh, at the beginning of the 21st century. And, uh, and I think that we are at a remarkably fascinating era in that respect. Well, let's start off with a question on Jewish identity. Mm-hmm. Why Jewish identity? What is different our identity from anybody else's. Well, the way you 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 articulate the question is already the most profound thing. You you asked me why being Jewish, rather than how to be Jewish. And I think that when we look at the historical evolution of Jewish education, both formal and informal, um, I think that we've put a lot of effort uh, through our educational institutions around the question of how to be Jewish instead of having more uh, a systematic and thoughtful process of value-driven discourse that tries to address the question of why being Jewish. I call it uh, the triumph of ritual over meaning. And in my uh, opinion, um, ritual is a fundamental element of Jewish life, which needs to be taught and and rehearsed and, uh, and, uh, and understood, but I think that ritual, when it is devoid of a much deeper discussion about meaning, uh, creates a, a, a Jewish edifice, which I call uh, too much porch and not enough house. And in that respect, from a historical perspective, when we look at the evolution of, of Jewish life, we see that when you present to Jews a ritual-based uh, educational system, which many times is interpreted as indoctrination rather than education, and devoid of a deeper value, moral-driven discussion about meaning, you end up with a generation that loses its interest in both questions. This is why one of, of, of my main goals and, and many colleagues in, in the Jewish world today is really to try and reintroduce uh, 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 a meaning-based discourse around Jewish life so young people and older people uh, can truly engage, many of them for the first time in their lives, with the question that you posed to me. Why am I a Jew and not how am I going to be a Jew? 
Now, if you ask me why I'm Jewish, I'm Jewish because I believe uh, that I belong to a people who are uh, perpetually discontented with reality in the most positive sense of the word. I'm not talking about the mentality of kvetch or the mentality of oi, but I'm, I am talking about uh, 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 a culture that uh, tries to turn the world in which it lives into a world in which it believes. Right. And that's for me something that is that is beautiful. What do you mean by that? A world in which we live? To turn it into a world in which we believe. In other, world, in other words, when I look at the evolution of Jewish ideas, of Jewish values, um, I see... Uh, um, I see a plethora of examples, uh, religious, cultural, intellectual, social, economic, that uh, constantly strive for what today in today's more popular jargon is called tikkun olam, mm-hmm. which basically means that it is driven by a, a, a fundamental belief that there is an ethical backbone to our lives and that there is a perpetual disparity between that that ethical backbone and the reality in which we live. And the attempt to realign ourselves, right, to realign ourselves, to to have that ethical charge in a better alignment with the with the lives around us is something that is very much part of the of, of the Jewish mindset and makes me very proud to belong to such a people. More than that. I am proud to belong to a people and to a culture and to a religious manifestation that does not equate unity with uniformity. And that's one of the major elements of my educational philosophy, that too many times we confuse unity with uniformity, and there is nothing between the two. Unity of the Jewish people has always been a value. Uniformity has never been a value in Jewish life, ever. Uh, Quite the contrary. It is rivalry thought-provoking disputations between Jews, which are the emblem of some of the best literature that the Jewish people have ever produced. Uh, uh, they are the emblem of the greatest creativity that we have produced throughout the ages. Uh, they are the fuel that ignites Jewish life. And we should be able, through a discourse of meaning, to teach our young that diversity is a blessing and not a compromise in the Jewish mindset. Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. And I'm talking to Dr. Zohar Raviv, who is one of the guests that have been brought out for Limud. He's also a, a resident a scholar of the Florence Melton School of Adult Jewish Learning. We're talking about Jewish unity, uniformity, and diversity. Jews are very diverse. What makes Diversity. We're all different. Okay. <laughs> Even if you look at the Jewish day schools, they've all got slightly different ethos, slightly different emphasis on different aspects. So even within a small community like Johannesburg, we're very different. Yet we united around certain core values or those values aren't necessarily the agreed upon by everybody or are they? That's uh, the, 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 the one million dollar question and I think that sometimes we get too, um, uh, too engaged with trying to unpack the notion of, uh, of, of unity versus uniformity rather than really try to unpack the meaning of, uh, of, uh, of diversity and pluralism in a Jewish context. You know, the, uh, um, um, our, uh, our classical literature tells us that, uh, a, 
person is, is differs from another person in three things: in their voice, in their opinion, and in their uh, mind mindset, in their opinion. Uh, in Hebrew, bedato, uh, which I find to be a, a, a profound element. We are not supposed to be the same. And I think that there is a constant tension in Judaism between the desire to preserve a traditional backbone uh, that uh, uh, carries forward the voices from our past, on the one hand, and the desire of every generation uh, to uh, put its own thumbprint and become a voice uh, that is uh, uh, worthy of remembering for the next generation. In other words, the tension between tradition and innovation as concepts is a perpetual tension in, in Jewish life. Um, I think that in every generation you see that tension being amplified from different directions. Also, I would like to point out that as people, and this is not only a Jewish issue, but as people we have a tendency to uh, over-romanticize our past. Mm. And as we face incredible diversity in the modern era, uh, sometimes it comes at the expense of seeing our past as much more monolithic, it's much more uh, uh, clear about its goals. And if you really want to be honest, not only intellectually, but also emotionally, you need, you need to let go of that, of that uh, myth. Judaism has always been under uh, tumultuous discussions about its own trajectory. Uh, like I said before, some of the greatest literature came from some of the greatest minds in Judaism, not because there was a consensus, but exactly the opposite. Uh, the Talmudim in Judaism are not as worried, in my opinion, about finding an answer to probing questions as much as about perpetuating the need to ask the question every generation again. Right. In other words, diversity is in, in the Jewish context invites people to understand that they have a place at the Jewish table, but at the same time, it comes and tells them, if you want to have a place at the Jewish table, bring with you something noteworthy of saying. In other words, you're not just coming here. Uh, it, it's not a Hyde Park syndrome. It's not just you stand on a, on a box or a table and say, uh, I woke up in the morning, the sun was shining, the birds were singing, and I feel very Jewish today. Nobody can tell me I'm not. That is not a productive discourse. But if you come and you say, look, I have looked at our, at, at the accumulated voices of our past, which is, and I feel comfortable with the level of knowledge that I bring into the table. And of course, I always acknowledge that I need to learn more. I feel comfortable with the fact that whatever I have to say will be met by other opinions that are as legitimate as my own. And I'm willing to take the risk of a dialogue. Now, that's the important thing. Rabbi Joshua Heschel called dialogue becoming dangerously involved in the life of another, which I think is one of the most beautiful ways of saying it. And Heschel is a very articulate individual, was of blessed memory. This one I particularly like, because in the modern era, pluralism has become interpreted as the indifferent embrace of another because because of politically correct reasons I cannot chastise them or tell them that they're wrong. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, which is all nice. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if you really want to enter into a dialogue that means something about our collective trajectory as a people, and not just about your own self-journey as a Jew, you need to take into consideration the fact that you are 
not only bound to meet other viewpoints, but that you're actually taking a risk that someone else's point of view may change your own life. Right. Now that's, in my that's opinion, that's a big risk. That's a big <laughs> risk. Uh, which, which I think many people find very, very hard to, yes. uh, to deal with. Just to focus a little bit more on Jewish education per se, you yeah. are an educator and right. today, Children have access to instant information and a lot of fake news. Right. And, and we're also living in a society where you can open up a weekend paper, as many South African Jews did, only to find a story in which Israel is cast right. as a, um, beyond what Israel does. It's not that Israel doesn't do it wrong, but to go into the details of the article I don't have, but you can imagine. It's kind of a Absolutely. propaganda piece rather Absolutely. than, uh, you know, and children who are being burnt and killed daily by right. Israelis. Right. How do you help children navigate? Well, it's a great question, and uh, and uh, and again, this is part, as you said, of of, uh, of many other talks that we'll, God, God willing, have on, on this subject, which is very important. Uh, we have to understand uh, that we live in a very challenging era which affects only, not only young people. We live in an era, in my opinion, that demonstrates uh, two uh, very big disparities when it comes to, uh, to information, what you call fake news and other things. We live in an era where there is a growing disparity between very high levels of access to information on the one hand uh, and very low levels of engaging knowledge in depth. I call it a generation of surfers who do not necessarily acquire a diving license. <laughs> People surf. Right. And by the way, when you surf, you are bound to hit waves. Right. You react only to what makes waves. Right. To make things even more challenging, we also live in an era that demonstrates a growing disparity between low levels of knowledge and very high levels of opinion. Right. Now, these two challenges, when they're uh, uh, brought together from an educational perspective, Obviously, require us as educators to understand that for that on many issues, our students, irrespective of their age, uh, arrive at the educational table already with an arsenal of exclamation points and not necessarily <laughs> question marks. Right. Which for me today, as someone who's very involved in 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 crafting a language for education and Jewish education for the 21st century. My claim is that one of the greatest mandates of Jewish education in the 21st century is actually deconstructive in its nature. In other words, it has to deal with a lot of exclamation points and allow a process, a meaningful process that allows participants to revisit their own preconceived assumptions and start re-articulating them in more nuanced and intelligent manners. Uh, in that respect, education in my vocabulary should be much more of a humbling process rather than just a gratifying one. Okay. To push participants beyond their zone of comfort and do it in a safe and, and, and meaningful environment for them. I mean, you don't want to discourage them, but you definitely want to show them that what they thought they knew is not necessarily the fuller picture. And in order to do that, you need to espouse at least two pedagogic tools that I find to be imperative. One of them is context. Right. Because when you surf, you deal with information irrespective of context. Yes. And second, of course, complexity. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the world of surfing is devoid of these two elements, which I think need to be addressed in a much more systematic manner uh, in our educational infrastructure. 
Um, I would like to ask you more questions, but I don't actually think we've got sufficient time to do so. Mm-hmm. But to say that uh, if you'd like to learn more about, you are a guest of the Florence Milton School of Adult Jewish Learning. Right. And no doubt, well, I'm hoping you'll come back to South Africa again and we'll be meeting with our Jewish day schools. Mm-hmm. I, I know you were at one I of the Jewish I just spoke today King at King David, David Assembly, which was a remarkable experience. It's an incredibly impressive school, and I was very impressed with what I saw. And in and, and, and our part two discussion, we can look more at how we can deal with Jewish day schools, helping to get the context and complexity, the two very important issues that you speak about. If you'd like to know more about the Florence Milton School of Adult Jewish Learning, please, can you contact Viv Anstey, who's the director of Milton, on Viv, V-I-V-A-N-S-T, at iAfrica.com, or Ariella Milner on Melton, M-E-L-T-O-N, J-H-B, at gmail.com, or you can visit the website on www.meltoncapetown.org. If you would like to hear more of what Dr. Zohar Raviv has to say or listen to any of his talks, you are welcome to, of course, go along to Limud. You can get more information on the Limud website. I am certainly going to uh, look forward to continuing our conversation. And just to say thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure and Shabbat Shalom to everyone. Shabbat Shalom.